Welcome to The Dental Brief, the world's direct, right-to-the-point podcast produced to get you the information you need to learn and grow your practice. To learn more about our guests and find links to information discussed on our show, visit our website, dentalbrief.com. On to today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Dental Brief. Today, we have with us Mr. Josh Smith. Josh, say hello. Hey, everybody. Josh, tell us about your background a little bit. Tell us how you got, uh, how you became, how you got in the dental industry. How'd you start yeah. working with them? Like everybody gets in dental for a different reason rather than being a dentist, right? Um, sure. I started out in 2009. I graduated from University of Georgia with a real estate degree in business. Hmm. Brilliant since the market crashed, right? Uh, so I needed to find something. Um, I got into dental just because I had a little bit of an insurance knowledge and uh, honestly just kind of fell in love with it. Sounds a little cliche with falling in love with it, but kind of the uh, the business of problem solving with the process is kind of what kept us going. I joined a group out of Savannah, Georgia. It's about nine offices um, and got into the centralized billing location. And that's where we basically just formulated this billing process that we use now with dental claim support, which is our outsourced dental billing business. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. I see. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, you know, I, I'm. I have a pretty good understanding of the dental industry as a whole, but this is one area that I'm probably the least educated on. But I, I see, um, gosh, I see a lot of dentists asking questions. And mm-hmm. I, one question I do hear all the time, and, you know, as, as you know, clearly we're, we're glad you're here. You know, what we want to do is give our, our audience information. We don't want to just pitch your company, but, um, you know, obviously it's a byproduct, which is great for you. Um, but <laughs> I see this question all the time, like, Hey, do you work with an outside? Does anyone work with an outside, um, insurance, you know, billing company, or does anyone know anyone who can handle this and so on and so mm-hmm. forth? Why are they looking for someone? Why are some practices, you know, doing what seems to be pretty well and then others are desperately trying to find, you know, some help what's going on out there. Yeah. So, um, sometimes it's, training in general. People just don't know what they don't know. Um, You know, insurance can backhand you, uh, so to speak, if you really don't know uh, the full process. Um, And it really just kind of boils down to that. Uh, If if you don't have the staff in place, people leave uh, dental offices a lot. There's tons of turnover in offices. You know, we see that uh, tons as well. But when it boils down to it, you kind of want your staff focused on your patients. And this is where we really see it work is they don't deal with the insurance part. So, you know, they can handle all the way up until creating a claim. And then after that, it's out of their hands. So they understand their patient's insurance, but really it's about that patient experience. And then they're not on the phone consistently with insurance companies or going through web portals and getting claims paid. Um, They're not posting payments necessarily. They're not on the phone with insurance uh, researching claims, you know, working that insurance agent report to where all of the time is freed up and I think that's what it is, is a lot of times offices, we say it all the time, they wear too many hats, right? Sure. Um, and, you know, they've got 55 things to do, uh, you know, got to make coffee in the morning sometimes too, right? Turn on all the lights, make sure everything's working. Could be a plumbing issue. There's all kinds of different things that happen. And uh, sure. we just saw the need for it, especially once we realized that all the offices that we were working before we even started dental claim support, of those nine offices in Savannah, they all did billing differently. And they were yet they were all underneath the same company name, right? The same umbrella. And when we realized that that was the case and we saw some offices performing better than others or some offices really, really lacking, that's when we were like, okay, 
this has got to be an issue across the United States if we see it here with one company. Um, with people that knew what they were doing, they were just super busy. You know, when you're running a $1.5, $2 million practice and it's just you. And right. you know, that's what a lot of, we've, we kind of, that gets lost in translation that office managers out there, insurance coordinators, you know, they're responsible for $2 million. And a lot of times it falls on their hands. Yeah. Josh, I, I saw someone not too long ago and they said like they had an employee that was with them for, I think it was seven years and the employee mm-hmm. left and their reimbursement dropped 70%. Yeah. That person left. And they said, you know, they was like, this is the, this is horrible. This is the worst thing that can happen. I was like, you know what? The worst thing that can happen is when you have an employee leave after seven years and the new one increases your in reimbursements 30% per month, <laughs> which means for the last seven years, yes. you're losing 30 at least. You know, when you're doing well and someone leaves, yeah. months, at least you know what the what the bar is and what it should look like. So let me ask you this kind of question. This is, I hope this isn't, uh, too controversial out there, but you know, a lot of dentists are getting squeezed by PPOs. You know, there's a lot of talk out there, a lot of chatter. I'm sure you see it too. People are trying to figure out how to go fee for service. People are scared to go fee for service. Make the argument for me that why you shouldn't go, why you shouldn't go uh, fee for service. Why you should like take advantage of um, insurance and yeah. kind of like the deciding factor there? Well, I mean, you have your folks that are fee-for-service, of course. That all depends on where you are, right? I mean, you might be in you know, the Hamptons. Right? There, sure. There's no need for insurance in a sense. And, you know, they can be fee-for-service. There's not an issue with getting payment. But, you know, the average American out there, we've, we've got dental insurance because, you know, we either work for an employer or it's a self-funded plan, whatever the case might be. We need to use those benefits. Therefore, we're going to find a doctor that's in our network because we can get a discount. You know, I think us as, uh, as any kind of person out there, you want to save money and you do that by going to a doctor in network. So if a doctor goes in network, it's in a sense insurance marketing. They send patients to you. So if you're a new practicing doctor or you're an associate that went and you bought your own practice, you need to really consider that. And I'm not an advocate saying get in network with the world. I will never say that because, you know, if you see one or two Humana patients throughout a given year, why on earth would you be in network with that insurance company? Right. But if you've got a big uh, hospital next to you with, with MetLife or Guardian, you need to look seriously look into that because all of these people and patients might end up coming to your practice. You fill your books up. And then at, at that point, you want to make sure that you're not bending over backwards and getting carpal tunnel as a, as a dentist. If you're just seeing hundreds of patients when, you know, and, and yet not getting the reimbursement, but all of that can be figured out. You know, it's just, it's, it's scaling. Um, I think sometimes the magical number I, I, I thought for mom and pops is about three or four insurances uh, around your area. But then you have these connection dental type things. Now, these umbrella networks, which get you in network with a bunch of different insurance companies, um, and they all carry the same fee schedule. So at that point, make sure the, the fee schedule is works for you and you have one fee schedule schedule to work with. You pull all of these patients and you can make very good reimbursement. And, and then as long as, of course, if your, your usual and customary fees are fair, reasonable, you're going to keep those patients as well. So a couple of, couple of questions for mm-hmm. you, um, kind of back-to-back questions here. Um, when I know you probably want to talk to every dentist on the planet, if you're like me, you know, right? You want to talk to as many people sure. as possible. Um, who needs to call you? Not like, you know, who should, but who absolutely positively needs to call you? What's a, what's a red flag in your practices? Yeah. Red flags. You got to look at your insurance agent report. Um, I mean, we, 
uh, insurance agent reports literally range on average from 30 to 50% over 30 days. So dental claims are paid in two and three days nowadays uh, with electronic funds transfers, um, you know, electronic remits advice, you know, you get your payment, you can go onto the web portal and find this. There should not be a lag of 30 days unless it's kind of one of these smaller insurance companies. So there's a major red flag. If you, you know, you have a hundred thousand dollars sent out to insurance and $30,000 is over 30 days, that's a 30% insurance agent report over 30 days. That's a red flag. Yeah. Uh, one, either somebody's not doing their job or two, you have an issue. You have a kink in that dental billing process, right? If you identify that kink, you can fix your problems. It could be on the claim submission end. It could be data entry. It could be insurance verification. That is when you, it is somebody that needs to call us. Um, if you're getting too busy and you can't figure it out yet, training is so difficult in a dental office to where it's like, okay, you can outsource that to an expert that can take over that process without you having to train them. You keep your same staff, you're not training somebody, and then you can do it for a lower cost. Um, Again, somebody leaving a practice, they need to absolutely call us if they run into that issue. I like that you said that earlier. That's a very glass half full way to look at it. Of, hey, well, uh, what if that person coming in increases uh, your collections right. by 30%, yeah. 30%? Damn, I'd love that. I don't see that a whole lot. But that being said, that is a very good way to look at it. But um, you know, to your point, insurance agent report to me is the most important report in an office. It literally can tell you where there are issues in your office. Just one report it has nothing to do. It can, it has nothing to do necessarily with scheduling or anything like that. You can just immediately see where your office is lacking by looking at an insurance agent report. If you took, and I know this is kind of random how I'm going to throw this out there, but if the average practice, let's say is doing a million dollars a year, mm-hmm. let's just say this, this mm-hmm. is the number from doing a kind of a shoddy job or an average, we'll call it an average job um, with their insurance billing compared to hiring a company like yours. What does that equate to dollar and cents wise in a dentist pocket? Dollar and cents wise, we see the national average at 91% collection uh, percentage, meaning that if you produce your net production, as it say, so production minus some write-offs, you know, courtesies, insurance write-offs, whatever, is a million dollars. Most offices are collecting 910 or 900,000. You're leaving $100,000 on the table. And to be honest, some of that is looked at by a lot of dentists as okay. I don't know if it's because they feel financially secure. I don't know what that might be. But to us, that number, you're going to have a little bit of of money here and there or bad debt for a patient, something like that. But you got to be in the 98 to 100% range. There's no reason that you shouldn't be. It's $100,000. So I think we can all figure out ways to use $100,000. Well, I call, you know what, I I would look at that, Josh, I would look at that as more like $3 million. So right over a year, we're talking a million plus. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. And every seven years, money doubles. Mm-hmm. Right. So in in 21 years, I mean, actually, we're looking at four million. You right? got it. Years zero through, we're yeah, we're looking at four million dollars. I mean, that's the difference. Four million dollars. I mean, you you throw four million dollars on top of what anyone else has put as you know aside for retirement, and um, that's a different life. That's a lifestyle change. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the difference between only having one yacht and having two yachts, right? West and East Coast. No more, no more, you know, lengthy trips through the Panama Canal. I mean, that's a different lifestyle. So, mm-hmm. Josh, uh, when looking for a company um, to help out with this or an individual to help out with us, what are two or three things that, you know, someone needs to look for? Um, trust. I mean, building trust, uh, working with a company that understands uh, really what your mindset is and where you want to go, but then also kind of work, making sure you find what you need to, you know, sometimes you go to a company that says they do it all, but they do a lot kind of averagely, 
you know, um, sure. I think we've put some uh, literature and some, you know, content out there about finding the best dental billing company. Shoot, we wrote an article. I think it was nine or 10 best dental billing companies out there. We'll tell you what we do as opposed to what other people do. Make sure it's a fit for you is what I would say. And make sure you have your, your, your dental team on board. Um, I can probably speak for multiple outsourced uh, dental billing companies out there. You know, we, we can get pushback every now and then. Sometimes we're looked at as a threat, but really nobody should ever. Uh, lose their position. If it's just a, the mindset of the doctor that we're coming in to work with the team, it ends up working out very well. Uh, we have our own set or systems and processes. We know offices do too. We work directly with them to get it done. So I would say it's uh, making sure that you know where you want to go as a dentist and then you let a company that you employ do that <laughs> and help you out that way rather than, uh, rather than say, well, we do it this way. Well, we're coming in to tell you maybe the right way to go about it and just, you know, build trust that way. Sure. Makes sense to me. Josh, mm-hmm. let me throw your, your uh, website address. I'm going to encourage our audience to give you a call. It's uh, dentalclaimsupport.com. Um, check these guys out. I mean, we're talking three, 4 million bucks, right? You work 30, yeah. you work 30 year career, $8 million. I mean, that's not, that's not uh chump change. Josh, we thank you so much for being here. Check out the website, dentalclaimsupport.com. Josh, thanks a lot. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Did you know you can weigh in on today's topic on Facebook? Search The Dental Brief on Facebook or visit our website, dentalbrief.com, and just follow the link. We look forward to having you join us again on another episode of The Dental Brief.